It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly college basketball edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Chad Brendel from BearcatJournal.com. And on the phone, he was just up in the beautiful Detroit area this weekend with the Northern Kentucky University Norse basketball team, but he's also got some stuff to talk about with Xavier with their win today. It's Rick Boring from Musketeer Report and the NKU Radio Network. Um, Rick, we're going to start with you because we do have you on the phone. Let's start first and foremost with Xavier, then we'll work our way to to, uh, to NKU. Um, a serviceable win today over, over St. John's, and I think um, you know based on the way this league has gone over the first week or so, Bottom line is, just don't lose home games, and then you got to steal one or two, and maybe three on the road, and that might be enough for everybody. Yeah, I mean it's imperative that you win the games at home in this conference. That is, that much is clear. And obviously, when fans look at records and previous histories of recent teams and everything, they they think there's more separation, right? You don't want to lose to a team like St. John's, but in reality, in this year's Big East there's not much separation from anybody. So every game almost feels like a 50-50 ball uh, when it tips off. So, I I mean, again, we talked about the Villanova game on the podcast earlier uh, this past week, Skinny, and talked about how Xavier lost that game because they're about six to seven points worse than Villanova, and that's how it ended up. Well, this was a similar type of circumstance. You know, they didn't play great, but they're about seven points better than St. John's, and that's how it ended up. Yeah. The, the the big game today, and it wasn't a big game, but it was a big game for him and really a big game for Xavier. Dontarius James off the bench, six points, eight rebounds, couple of assists, 26 minutes of play. Where in the world did this come from? Well, uh, it, we, you always talk about taking advantage of opportunity, right? And Dontarius James is a guy who hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities, and mostly that's because of him. I mean, he hasn't played very well and he hasn't put himself in position in practice to be a guy who gets a lot of minutes but the staff has been looking at what's been going on through the first you know however many games of the season here and Jason Carter just hasn't given them what they expected him to give him at the four position after he transferred in from Ohio he's been timid he's had trouble adjusting to the athleticism of the Big East um, and some of the non-conference games as well and then also he just like he does not seem ready to attack when he gets his chances. And if he's not going to do that, then they're going to need to look elsewhere for someone else to, to take up some of those minutes. And earlier in the year, I think a lot of people felt that that would be freshman Zach Fremantle, who's more of a center playing alongside Tyreek Jones. But in today's basketball, I just don't know that you can play two centers together very often. It's really difficult to defend opposing teams who almost all play wings and guards at that four spot with a true center. So Dontarius James, has an opportunity here now, and he made the best of it today. It'll be really interesting to see if this is just a, um, uh, a Harden or Keontae Kennedy-type flash in the pan where he plays really well for one game and then uh, kind of peters back out after that, or if he keeps it going after that. Rick, it was maybe the breakout performance people have been expecting and waiting for from Kiki Tandy. Hit for his first four threes and really – gave that Xavier offense quite a lift uh, in that middle portion of the game, late first half, early second half, when you know St. John's was kind of mucking it up and forcing turnovers and, and starting to hang around. Uh, Kiki really felt like a huge difference in this one. And that's what 
as a Xavier fan, you're hoping he can give you. He's not going to be this dominant force on offense that I think some fans thought he might be coming into this year, but he is a guy that can spark you because he's super aggressive on the offensive end, and he can really shoot from the outside. And finally, the fans got to see that today. Um, I don't think people realize, one, how difficult it is to be a freshman at this level, regardless of the fact that some succeed right away. For most guys, it's really hard to be a freshman at the high major level in general. And then especially when you miss a big chunk of the first several weeks with an injury like he did, I mean, he was out for over a month. That's a big deal and it can really set you back. So I think he's finally getting a little bit more comfortable. And I think you'll start to see him provide a little bit more of a spark more consistently going forward. You, you got not a whole lot scoring wise from Quentin Gooden today. Um, how much more does he need to do in that regard, Rick? Or was today just about enough in your opinion? He got eight and I think five assists. And, and you mentioned Kiki, you know, mentioned knocking down some shots and Najee Marshall had a big game. Is that enough for Quinton on the road maybe against good opponents? Or do they need, do they need more? No, I think today was exactly what you want out of Quinton Gooden. Lots of assists, low turnovers, taking care of the basketball and setting up his teammates. Um, I'll have to look at more of it on film right. to see you know, how he played overall. But looking at the box score and just hearing some of the, the commentary on the way back, that's, that, they don't need Quentin Gooden to be a scorer. Now, he's capable of doing that, as we saw against Western Carolina, if he has the proper matchup to get to the rim and then dominate an opponent physically. But for the most part in the Big East, that's not going to be what happens. And they need him to be a setup guy, a guy that gets the offense moving and, and playing cohesively. They really don't care how many shots he takes at all. All right, next next up for Xavier comes comes Seton Hall at home. Um, they've obviously turned around very quickly. They did get Miles Powell back, and that that's huge. But for Seton Hall, it's their first road test. And and I look up and I I see you know Providence is two and zero, and they were at the bottom of the league based on the non conference. And you know they've they've got uh, a road game at Marquette. <laughs> coming up and then you look at the other undefeated team and that's Butler which is 2-0 in the league and Butler has to go to Providence in its next game I mean it does feel like this is a year where I just I think you're a week to week away from knowing where you're at in this league it is not a long-term macro look at this I mean I think it's going to be that way all the way until the conference tournament um, I think there's going to be eight to nine teams in the mix for the tournament when we get to Madison Square Garden, and then probably one or two of them will play their way out of the tournament at that point. But it, there really just is not a lot of separation. So, yeah, every game is going to be big. Certainly any home game you feel like you need to win. Um, and in terms of Seton Hall, you know, the big man for them, Makmoshavili, or, you know, I'm not even going to try to butcher that a second <laughs> time, but he's still out with a broken hand. Machiavelli? So that's going to make it tough. Yeah, it's Machiavelli. Rest that's in peace. It. Nailed it. Tupac. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so for Xavier, and we talked about this, you had a chance maybe to steal the one at Nova, which they never do, and they didn't. And as we mentioned, six points sounded about right. But you start that three-game home stretch with St. John's, and I, it just seems like you know Seton Hall's really good, Creighton's really good, but you got them at home, and these are the games you absolutely have to win. And I can't do it any more dramatic than that because you have to win these games. Yeah, I think that's right. But at the same time, like. I wouldn't get too worked up about any one result in this conference. You know, you can lose to DePaul, you can lose to Providence, you can lose to St. John's, and it really doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean you stink. It doesn't mean that's an unforgivable loss. It means everyone in this conference is pretty darn good. So, yeah, you better win the games at, uh, at home because you feel like you have a better chance in those ones, but it doesn't mean that you can't go on the road 
and pull an upset or two. I mean, we saw Xavier do that exact thing last year after they lost six in a row. Then they went and won a couple games that you would have never expected them to win. So I think this year's conference is even more um, close in terms of the level of competition, the separation in between teams, and I think it'll play out very similarly. Sorry about the team you were you were covering today. Um, we're on on Sunday. NKU at Oakland. Um, disappointing loss Friday to Detroit, but Detroit took Wright State to the wall. Wright State did find a way to win today. Uh, the NKU game back and forth. They're they're down two with what just under ten minutes to go. Go on an 11-0 run and, and take charge. What did today show you about this uh, this NKU team? Because it. I don't want to say it desperately needed a win because in a one bid league you never desperately need a win, but this was a this was a big win for them in my opinion. No, I think that's well well said, Skinny. I think um, you lose kind of lose a little bit of a direction if you go zero and two on this road trip. You fall to one and three in conference play, and really more than that, it was just the way that they handled the adversity. I mean, you lose to Detroit, and it's not just that you lost. But you played terribly. I mean, you just didn't look at all like the team you looked like two or three weeks ago when you were on a nice little run. Um, and they've been dealing with a lot. You know, I mean, not just the new coaching staff and new system on both sides of the ball, but you lose Jalen Tate three games in the season. You finally, everyone kind of figures out their roles. They, they get things going pretty well for a little stretch. And then Dantes Walton goes down, and he was playing like the potential player of the year in the Horizon League Conference. So now everyone's roles are different again. And then Jalen Tate comes back into the lineup, and he's been pressing a little bit, playing kind of outside of what you expect from him. Although, you know, in the last 10 minutes today, he was very good, I thought, um, and kind of provided what you what you saw from him in previous seasons where he was the defensive player of the year in the conference and, um, you know, just a playmaker at both ends. So I think it's, it showed that this team can handle adversity, and I give a lot of credit to the coaching staff because, you know, yesterday when they had the day off, we were really kind of at the hotel thinking, oh, man, this is going to be a, a rough time for the team. The coaches are going to be real upset and down and out and everything. And it just wasn't that way at all. There was no panic. It was very matter of fact of, hey, here's what we did wrong. Here's how we can fix it, and let's go figure it out. And today they did exactly that. It, even had they lost today's game, I think they would have felt pretty good about it because the process was right. Rick, what does it say about this roster that – even today, Tyler Sharp scored, I think, what, five, five points? points? made one shot, I and, think, and, on threes. Yeah. And Jalen Tate only had, I think, 11. Yeah, double digits. Which he came, yes. came on late. And still, they're able to dig deep enough on this roster. We keep looking at this team and saying, man, that, that's, that, that's going to be a killer. Losing him is going to be a killer. And, and they keep looking at adversity, and different guys keep stepping up. Like That's got to be a huge boost for, for Darren Horn and his, and his staff. Well, and in a lot of ways, you know, I think when Dantes went out, it was kind of like, okay, wow, this team really doesn't have a lot of depth. And Dantes was really covering for a lot of other deficiencies on this team. Um, but today you look at the way they played, and I would agree, Chad. I mean, Adam Alita gives you a huge spark off the bench. Bryson Langdon, who was brought in to just kind of be a backup point guard to Jalen Tate, maybe play 10 minutes or so a game has really blossomed into a great decision maker and today even scorer as he 21. Uh, tied a career high with 20 points and knocked down a bunch of threes. Um, Adrian Nelson was really good in this one too. So I do think they have a little more depth than we initially thought to go along with some of those starters who can obviously uh, put up big totals as we saw with Dantes Walton scoring 30 and a 
few straight games and Tyler Sharp scoring 30 in a few straight games earlier this season. Yeah, as goofy as it sounds, it's kind of as rocky as this start was a little bit, losing at home to Green Bay, um, losing the game at Detroit, and Detroit's only won three games. You look up, and they're, and they're tied for fourth in the league with Cleveland State, Youngstown State just above them, and Wright State, to its credit, kind of separated itself right now as kind of the team to beat, but you're back in the mix for right or wrong, as bad as this feels like it's been to start the conference season of getting a really good seat for the conference tournament if you continue to take care of business. Yeah, I still truly believe as this thing goes along and you know teams kind of get back to the mean here, although there's been some shakeup early in conference play, I do think that it's going to be pretty clearly Wright State and NKU are at the top of right. the conference. And then I think you've got a group behind them that includes Green Bay, which is a little bit of a surprise, um, potentially UIC, who has been a little bit of a disappointment. And, uh, you know, Oakland is kind of looking like a little bit of a disappointment right now, too, after getting blasted by both Wright State and NKU. But I do think Greg Campy is an experienced coach and a good coach who will get them on track. They have 10 newcomers on that team as well and no real point guard. So they're having to figure some things out. But I do think there will kind of be NKU Wright State at the top a little group behind them of three or four teams that can kind of compete on any given night. And then there will be some teams at the bottom that kind of fall by the wayside as the season continues. All right. After this weekend, I'm guessing you watched a lot of college basketball on Saturday. Is, is there a team or two that you trust more than anybody else as we sit here on January the 6th that you'd go, I trust that team. Are you still at the group of, I don't trust anybody. I don't trust anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? Like, no. If I have a different answer. I'd love to hear it. No, I don't either. I don't. I, I. There's not a soul I trust. There really and truly isn't. I mean, I'm getting more to a trust factor with Duke, but I don't know if I even trust them. I, you know, Louisville. I wanted to give them a pass for the the Kentucky loss, and then you lose it home to Florida State, and I go, holy cow! I don't trust them either anymore. Maybe Michigan State now that Winston looked like. Cassius Winston today against Michigan. Although I can flip it up and go, yeah, maybe Michigan early in the year we were fool's goal with yeah. them and they just aren't as good as we thought they were. I don't trust anybody. I don't trust anybody. Yeah, I'm with I'm with you guys. I mean, I just don't see how you could. I think there are a lot of pretty good teams. I don't think anyone's really good or great this year. Um, and I, I think, again, we talked about this on Wednesday, Skinny, or Thursday, Skinny, that the teams that are playing good basketball are not the most talented. And the teams that are the most talented – are not playing the best basketball. Um, so at some point, maybe someone on one of those two sides will put it all together and figure it out. But at this point, I, I just don't see it happening. I trust Dayton. Do you want to trust Dayton with me? I don't trust Dayton. No, I, knew I you, do not. I knew you didn't. I figure. I just want to. I, I just. I, I just want to get you talking about Dayton and talk about the Fairborn area and Wright State. I just want to see if you'd go off. I, I trust Obi Toppin. I trust Obi Toppin. I don't know if I trust Dayton. Obi Toppin can play, but you know how I feel about that city, and I'll never trust anything from it. <laughs> That's what I figured. On that note, we'll let you go. Enjoy your trip back, Rick. We appreciate it. We'll talk again. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right, Rick Broering from the NKE Radio Network, and of course, MusketeerReport.com. Um, I want to continue on that front. I. I I swear every Saturday or whatever, you know, Saturday's now becoming the big day, and we have sprinkled in big days during the week, and, and now we're getting into good conference matchups, and especially this year where I swear every day there feels like there's 5 to 7 to 10 to 12 pretty good matchups. You know, even Saturday, West Virginia was doing a pretty good job at Kansas. Kansas wins a home game they should win, and I think Kansas is really good, but it doesn't make me go, wow, Kansas yeah, but is I, really good. I think this right? also has the look of a, one of those hugs teams. Yes, no, no, I, no. I agree with you. I, I think they're gritty and tough, and but but my, my Oscar Tashibi is point, a monster. Oh yeah, he had a, and he had a really good first I, half. Look, dude, I saw that kid the first time I, when he was a sophomore, and I told probably ten coach, ten high major coaches, 
this kid is going to be an absolute animal. And really the only guy, like Huggins was the only guy that really, and, and that is a Bob Huggins big man. Yeah, no, but my point Not, is. But I just wanted to get that yeah, in there. I know, love Oscar yeah, No, my point is that was a good performance by them, and it's not a knock they lost. They lost at Kansas, and right. a lot of people lose at Kansas. But it wasn't like Kansas made you go, wow, they're, right. they're, they're, they're back. You know, Gonzaga, I don't know where I can trust them. I, I'm not trusting I, San Diego I, State, despite the fact they're undefeated, right? I mean, I trust Gonzaga about as much as I trust anybody right now. I guess, but I, I don't. Are they, and this is probably not fair. And I always hate this because your schedule is what your schedule is. And to their credit, outside the league, they do. They're schedule out of conferences, yes, monstrous. But from here on out, it's yeah. not. So, can I get a complete full read on them? And I'm going to get there. There's going to be a night. They're going to be a 23 point favorite at somebody ha- they, awful, right? And don't play great and win by 11. And you're going to go ah. But I'm going to think, no, it's just that's the way conference basketball is. And they yeah. know they're better. And they know they can walk out there and win. So it is such a weird year in that regard. It's kind of fun. It's awesome. But it's just weird. It's awesome. Because you never know when you, you turn don't. on a game what's go- what you're going to get. Exactly. There is no rhyme or reason. To that, any of it. Uh, the only thing I think we, we will really know right now is that the home team is going to win. More times. I think in better leagues. I mean, I... I mentioned Dayton. You go to the A-10. I think yeah. every road team in the A-10, I think one, not every, but almost well, every team won but, today. But Dayton is the outlier in yes. the A-10. Well, I mean, yeah. I think VCU. And they wanted George Mason, which the is nice. decent this yes. year, better than it but, has but, been. But, yeah, I think your point is most of the better leagues, the bigger leagues, you're, just, you're just not going to win. There's nobody road. on you're the top not. of any of those leagues. There's yes. nobody at the top of any of those leagues that, that really is you. much different than the eighth best team. Right. You know what it reminds me of? And I, Xavier fans love when I talk about this. It reminds me of the old Big East. Yes. Because even if you look back, like, yeah, maybe Syracuse is a one seed or whatever. And you're talking about the 80s Big East, correct? No, I'm talking about the, the, UC Big East. the, the mid, early yeah, okay. aughts to mid okay. 2000s Big East. See, that's the mid Big East to me. Yeah. The old Big East the old is Big my East, old Big East. Yeah, my where they got East. seven teams in yes. the tournament and yeah. three went to the final right, four. Right, That's the old Big yes. East. Yes, you're, you're right. That's what I grew You're talking about mid Big East. Mid Big East. Yes. But that was a 16-team league. That yes. The first nine or ten teams were, were really good. Like this. Yes. Just, uh, within a hair of each other. And usually, every night, the home team won. I mean, hell, dude. You go back to the, the, to the first Mick team that was the worst team in the history of the planet, not through anybody's fault, just the way the thing shook out. And they would compete with people at home. Yeah. And they were terrible. They were brutally bad. Yes. They beat Xavier that year. They did. They did. I think did, just, they, beat, did they beat Syracuse at home that year too. Uh, I think so. They had another. I hey, think somebody, it was Syracuse. Somebody yeah. like that. Yeah, but that team was awful, right? Awful. I will agree with it. Awful. awful. And yet, every time I guarantee you, a Big East team came into town, they're like, "Oh God, we can't slip up here. Let's yeah. not slip up here. Can't slip up here." And they usually didn't, except for DePaul. Well, yeah, except and for USF. Back then, those two were. Yeah, they were. Out, yeah, they were the outlier. They were, they were the outlier. Bad. Actually, kind of St. John's was getting there. They were. They getting were there. getting there, but. I, so that segues me into UC and Tulane. Well, can it, we? Yes, go ahead. Can we talk about Chuck first? Yes. Or do you want to talk? You want to save? I was just save it, but let, okay, let, let's we, we can yeah, save I it. want to say I want to save it to, to the end. We're on I, a I roll. So, and for those that don't, that, that most of you do know, Chuck Mayshock, the legendary uh, former UC assistant, college basketball coach, player, and certainly and player, and um, legendary broadcaster, passed away, and I do want to spend a segment on him, which we will do. But it does segue weigh me into the what we we're just talking about into UC's loss at Tulane. I'm disappointed because I really thought this team was starting to get it. But I think it goes back to the exact conversation we're talking about. Tulane is not 
the Mike Dunleavy Tulane. I'm going to shoot you in the head for Mike Dunleavy. But it's not the Mike <laughs> Dunleavy Tulane. I think Ron Hunter's a really good coach. Really good coach. They play hard. They're better. They got better talent. He's got a transfer from Georgia yes. that's yeah. good. Yeah. He's they, got a Lawson brother they're, from. They're not great. They're probably going to wind up 500 when all said yeah. and done, maybe a little above it, whatever. But. They're going to be tough at home. A lot of Big East teams are, or a lot of uh, American teams are going to go in there and they're going to either lose or come out of there going. Who boy, I just sweated through three t-shirts and a, and, a, and a nice shirt and my suit jacket, and let's get on the plane and go home, right? It, Ron Hunter can, re, like, I'm a big really fan. No, I've, I've, I've been a big fan and since I he, he is going to be a nuisance in this mm-hmm. league. Yep. Because for the longest time, you could just kind of mark Tulane off. Yeah. Home and away. Yep. Just kind of mark Tulane off as, as yeah. not a factor. And they'd, they'd be 3-15, and 15 and they'd feel good about their 3-15, and 15, yeah. but that's what they were, and they'd never be better. They're going to be one of those teams that hangs out in the middle mm-hmm. that can get anybody on any given night because he's going to have them play hard. Yep. Start to finish. And he's got some shot makers And he's now. got some guys that can play. Yep. And what he's going to do that you don't see a lot in this league, Houston did it to, to an extent, and they've now gone more homegrown. Ron Hunter is going to go out. And he's going to get big time transfers, which I think a lot. If you're looking at programs now, in fact, it was funny. I was looking at Nevada today. Don't ask me why. Just basically, I love. I love. No offense. I love that team that beat UC, and I loved him the year after. I just love the fact you had about five, six, seven guys that all played the same, and they were. Just, I just love that kind of a team. You like right? when I have the? Yeah, that was good. That was good. Good. Good cough turned down. But I kind of love that team. So I was kind of looking at what they've got. They've got like three or four transfers now. Well, that was what, that was their whole team. Yes, I mean, but I think that seems to be the way now is. If you can pick up in a program like that, well, two or three, because you're not getting high-level recruits. You're just where, not, right? Where has Ron Hunter been the last couple stops? Georgia State and, and, and IUPUI. That mid-level mm-hmm. where guys could drop down and dominate. Yes. And he did a great job making that happen. And I think that is going to be – and look, you go on a visit there, you get to hang out with New Orleans, mm-hmm. and you meet Ron Hunter – who is one of the funniest, most engaging, likable guys you'll you'll ever come across. Well, and especially today's day and age, you, you mentioned the IUPUI days. That was the days when you actually had to sit out. There was yeah. no real grad transfer. Now we're in that grad transfer portion of the program where, yeah. dude, you can get a guy from Arizona and go, wait a minute, how did I just get that cat? Because right. he wants to go play. So uh, they're going to be a problem. Now, that doesn't excuse UC's up 11. And we're going to talk about that part. They gave up 44 points in the, in second. the second half. Yes. They have uh, uh, the one that, to me, the Bowling Green game, they gave up 62 points in the second half in overtime. In overtime. 19 25 points. Minutes. 19 points in five minutes of overtime. I... <laughs> So how how is that how is how does that happen? Because know. you look at you look I, I felt like at halftime and I was driving up to go go broadcast a, a Moeller game up in Centerville. So I listened to the second half and kind of watched a little bit of the start, watched a little bit of it on my phone, the whole shebang. And at halftime I thought, oh, they're in complete control. This is gonna be a nice little twelve point. Other road than win. other than Jang, yeah. the center hitting Five threes, or he's four for four at halftime, I think. He's happy because they're going to go play a game over in, in Japan, by the way. Are they? Tulane is. Yeah, they're part of that. So he got he got lucky with that. But, it, yeah. I mean, but so how does that happen? It's it's lack of effort. It's lack of toughness. It's lack of focus. And it, it's it's really frustrating because those are the things for 30 years watching UC basketball, you could almost always count on. Right. Especially, like, this is the hard, like, getting my eyes adjusted to what this team is doing. And I think ultimately John will get them going in the right direction. Rick just mentioned Jalen Tate, Defensive Player of the Year in that conference. John does not de-emphasize defense. Right. 
So I don't know if it is a fatigue thing from playing the more up-tempo style. I don't know but, but if it also, is a leadership but, but, thing. But he's going what? He's going four deep off the bench yeah. on a regular basis, right? It's not but like his rotation's really no, short. No, but it's 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 the it's main the, guys. It's the big for the bigs. It's it's the, it's the main guys, though, Skinny. I know. It's, it's Trey Scott. It's Jaron Cumberland. It's Keith Williams. It's at times Chris Vogt because he has limitations defensively. There have been some some teams that have attacked that. I, there, but the problem is there's no well. I I can pinpoint exactly what it was against Tulane, because if you look at it, Tulane's twelve of twenty seven, twelve of twenty five from the floor, forty four percent, not great. Two of five from three in the second Dude, half. That's a free throw. Eighteen of twenty one. Yeah. I think at one point both teams. Had, I think yeah. at one point in the second half, the other team they, had missed. Right. They got into the twenty five of twenty five. They got maybe more later. than that. Yeah, I think it was twenty seven yeah. or twenty eight. Yeah. But they sent. Tulane on a parade to the free throw line and some of that was bad officiating but that crew was bad both ways because there was there were multiple calls no you see only got five free throws in the second half no but But that's partially their fault because they weren't aggressive attacking the the zone in the second half um but it, it just and how much of it and you're a coach I'll ask you this so right off the bat Start of the second half. Within the first four to five minutes, you get Mike Adams-Woods, Keith Williams, Jaron Cumberland, all with three fouls. How much does that limit how you can be aggressive? Because what we saw in the second half, we didn't see it almost at all in the first half. What we saw in the second half was Tulane driving right by UC's defenders. Do you get impacted by that because sure. you know you can't touch the guy? No, like, no question. And as much as I'm not a zone guy, I think at some point maybe just to protect guys from that, you have to do it even though they were making some shots. You just have to say, well, they, well, make, they were two of five I'm, from I'm three. I'm slowing this down, which is still pretty good. I mean, it's 40%. But they but, weren't taking yeah. many. No, but I think if you're going to go zone, yeah. they probably are. And you just, I know as, a, as a, I hate zone because I just hate watching a guy make a wide open three, even though he's allowed to make that against man two, right, where they drive and kick right. it back out. But it just feels like... You gave them that opportunity for it. But, yeah, if, if you can't defend without fouling, and some of it is, you're right, maybe the officiating is questionable, but you got to adjust to it. Right. So if that case, if you can't defend without fouling, you have to probably mix that up at some point. Go, all right, let's just let's slow this down. Let's go to a zone. Let's Hopefully we can defend without fouling for a stretch because then, then you're starting to play the mix-and-match game offense-defense, and that's just a lot for everybody. You can get, get in a flow. One guy's in for a series, one guy's out for a series, one guy's in for a series, one guy's out for a series. 21 second-half free throws. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, that's and, a lot. And they were 18 of 18. They missed their last three. Right, right. Now, here's the other thing that's crazy about this year. They're 336th in free throw percentage defense. Well, and you know, they're, I just never thought they're very good at st- – you know how when you stick your arm over in the lane just to kind of – and that, and you always got the fan barking at him. Where's the fan barking at him? You got to yeah. have that guy too. Well, you right? don't have that guy on the road, or or the coach on the bench tries to free those going up. Box out. You got that. You know that guy. That that guy bugs. I mean, me. you got to practice free throw defense when you're tired. You do well. No, I think you. I think you just need to practice it as, as a coaching staff. You got to have a different guy each time. You like box out. Right, as the free throws come because he gets a little jittery. Or you got to have the fan. He goes on the road P- with I, you. I feel sorry if somebody's listening to this in headphones. Because you did Sorry. that twice. Box out. Can I, can I do box out? I'll, I'll try to be a little bit quieter. I, I, I'm, I'm, this is going to sound nitpicky, and it doesn't mean to be. Because um, I thought Jaron Cumberland's stat line was pretty good, but he only had seven shots. Well, is I, that, I think, okay. I, I, and that's why I know this sounds nitpicky, because I look at the rest of the stat line. I mean, what, five assists, six assists, whatever it was. It was a nice so, number. It was a nice number. Six assists, I think five rebounds. Mm-hmm. No, the stat line was really good. But Here's my thing. Seven shots. Okay. Yeah or nay? 
Um, in this game, I didn't mind it. Okay. Why? Because the first half, he didn't have to take a shot. Right. Keith Williams scored 16. He's great. Chris Vogt scored 11. And Trey Scott had what? He had no. He, no, he had like eight assists, though. Yeah, no, he, he had, had eight he assists had, on the game. He had a bunch of assists, yeah. So in that set, and Micah Adams-Woods was on the bench in foul trouble, and Chris McNeil is not giving you a whole lot, especially offense on the offensive end. He's, he's playing good defense, yeah. but offensively he's not giving you much. So you play Jaron at the point. Jaron facilitates. And a lot of those Trey Scott assists – or Jaron Cumberland hockey, hockey assists. Assist, yeah, which nobody counts. Which so I, I didn't count. mind that he didn't that's shoot a lot. You, but I, he did in the second half become aggressive. And that's where he scored all 10 of his points. And, and, and started to look to try and take over. And that's when they got the lead. And then the last four minutes, yeah, they were and, awful. And I go back to, I think in retrospect, this wasn't a Jaron Cumberland game, which there have been some of those. And this wasn't a lack of offense game. This was a matter of... Kind of like Bowling Green, get a stop. Yeah. Can you get a stop? And I, I, it, it, it's correctable, right? I hope. Right? Like maybe, but it, it's they've corrected it at home for the most part. Is that though? And I don't mean again. This is going to sound nitpicky. Is that more teams on the road that just don't shoot it well on the road, and and they're getting looks that they just don't make on maybe. the road? And that's what I, I wonder that because we we always think it's good defense, and sometimes it is, and it, but sometimes also and you start to look back and go. Damn, he missed an open 10-footer, and that cat missed an open stick back, and that guy missed an open 15-footer, yeah, I mean, and that guy missed an open three. Well, well let's like be honest. Tennessee's not a great offensive right. team, it, it, and UConn's not a great yeah, offensive team. It, it, but it didn't feel like that against UConn. It felt like defensively against UConn, they, they dug yeah. in and got stops. Yes. I mean, they made them Threes take were contested. Yes. It wasn't like they missed one, a bunch of open shots. It was one and done, and that yeah. was that. The, but but, but I think what's all the last, the so the last two games away from home, the neutral Iowa, this and this one, was literally couldn't get a stop in the second half. Couldn't get a rebound. Couldn't get a yeah. stop. Turned it over. They had ten turnovers in the second half. I think four or five of them in the first so, uh, segment. So, so I'll go. Cut they for- turned it over the first three time, first three trips out in the second yes. half. Yeah, when you were up what seven at the half yeah. and nine at the half, whatever it was seven or nine, and you felt comfortable. Like I said, it felt comfortable, and you look up, you're like, crap. Now this is a dogfight from the rest of the rest of the game, and it was. All right, so I'll go cup half full, cup half empty. Cup half full is. They're close. I think you can teach toughness, and I think guys can learn toughness. And I think, yes, they are close. It's not like suddenly this is a talent gap issue. Um, I don't think this is a coaching issue by any stretch. Cup half empty is, I keep seeing the same pattern. Bowling Green, Iowa, this. Colgate. Colgate, yeah. Get a stop. Illinois State. Okay, yeah. No, I mean, I I see a pattern of this, right? And that's the cup half empty part. Maybe the cup's more than half empty now that you start talking like that. <laughs> I have to deal with it every day. I know, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, it's it, it's just hard to to get my brain around. One because I'm just so used to final five minutes, the toughness takes over, right? And that's that's right. where you win games, right? And we haven't seen that yet. So, and especially in games that. They were in control of Colgate. They were in control of Bowling Green. They were in control of Tulane. And there were there were never those are games you finish out. There were there was never a stretch in any of those second halves really where they push back. Where they where they strung together three, three stops. Four stops. And all you need at that point is two buckets. There was you don't never, need four straight buckets, right? Never, you don't need to answer right. bucket for bucket, right? There was never a point where the fans were barking like dogs. Yes, skinny. yeah, you needed that. You need I need that guy. 
We'll send Skippy on the road. Skippy can go bark like a dog on the road. That's what we'll start doing. Skippy, but if you're listening, we'll send you on the road. It, it just, Coach Brandon needs you. It's so, and you could hear it in, in John's voice last night sure. in the post game. I'll bet. Just complete frustration. Resi- not, yeah, I was going say not resignation, but yeah, frustration. Just frustration, yeah, because all of the other stuff should lead to wins. Yes. Yeah. The hard stuff, the execution yeah. on offense stuff. It takes no, I, I, I say it all the time, and I'm on a different level. It takes zero talent to have toughness. It does. No. You, you don't have to be very talented to be tough. You just got to have the want to to be tough to say, you know what? I'm getting that rebound. I'm getting that 50-50 ball. The dribbler isn't going where the dribbler wants to go. I don't care that I've committed three fouls already. If this means me, I commit my fourth and he takes me out, I got to do that. And maybe that's the stage they're at. And maybe one more time on tape, maybe that's what it takes. And again, there's my cup half full portion of it because I would say you've probably gone through enough of these tape sessions and film yeah. sessions of right there. You had a chance to slide to a charge. You had a chance to not let him blow by you. You had a chance to go get the 50, 50 ball. You had a chance to block that guy out and get a rebound. Instead, you thought you could out jump him or you thought you could go get an angle. No, put a body on his ass. I mean, all those little things. And you know what? On the road in a league, that's what adds up on, yeah. on a neutral against an Iowa team. That's going to be probably an NCAA tournament team. I can't that's say what definitively, adds up. But, but they're close they, enough in, in this, this season? year. Yeah. Close enough. Right. Those things add up. Yeah. And that's do. where, look, if it's a talent issue, I'll give you that. I, if I said I thought it was a coaching issue, I'd believe that. I don't think it is. I, and I don't want to completely point the finger at players, but at some point, man up. Go get a 50-50 ball. Get your stop. Have some heart. Don't let a guy blow by you. If it means he gets knocked on his ass and you don't have to pick him up and you want to walk by him and just go, don't come around here again, do it. Just do it. I guarantee you mixed teams would have done it. Right or wrong, and I'm yeah. not here to tell you, I don't think one style is better than the other. I think the upside for John's style is there's a lot of upside because in March, I feel you got to score the ball. I used to think 25 years ago the opposite, that you had to stop people. you got to score it. And I think his upside is probably higher than mixed teams' upside. But in games like these, I think mixed teams win a few because I think he was not going to well, accept it or allow it. Yeah. And not that John does. They're just, and you got to be true to your personality, right? Your personality well, is what it is. His his focus is on different things yes. than mixed focus. Yes. Mixed focus. Not that one is right over the right. other. Right. Mixed, and, and, and this is what the argument you'll get. Oh, I know that. I know. Across the board. Oh, I know exactly what the argument the is. The argument is mixed focus is on things that went in January. Yes. And that John's and focus is they on. they do. And they do. And that's what you see from mixed teams when they went on the road but, but, in these but, situations. But the frustrating part is to it, these games in December, late December, and January. Or how you get to March. Or how you get to March. That's right. exactly it. Yeah. I, it's, and, I, and I know this is another one that drives Xavier fans crazy. So I'm going to talk about it again. I'm sure you will. Comparing this UC team to last year's Xavier team. And they say, well, UC had a star in Jaron Cumberland that Xavier didn't have. Yeah, Najee Marshall's pretty good. Wasn't he first team all conference preseason yeah. last he's pretty, year? He's pretty good. He didn't live up to those expectations. Yeah. Guess what? Jaron Cumberland's not living up to his expectations. No, that's right. You know what Xavier also had last year? They had three other four star players in Gooden, Scruggs, and Jones. And and, and Xavier, Hank, Cincinnati Hank, has one. And I'll be honest, Hank is a pretty good player too, who transferred but in. Cincinnati was a, has a division two player there. No, you're right. Jaron. Right. And fringe four star player, Keith. Yeah. Trey was a three-star guy. Chris Chris Vogt's not. The rest of the team were mid-majors last year. Right. So, yeah, there are similarities. And guess what? You want to know what the big difference was? Xavier kept their system. All they did was move a guy one seat over, and they struggled. UCLA's struggling. 
Go look around the country. Every coach that's a, a new coach outside of what? Arkansas? And uh, the bar there was completely different, too. And, and I, I think and Mike, 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 Mike left him some dude. He left yeah. him some guys. Not and I think dude, Mike's doing a pretty good job at St. John's. I think he is, too. Mike Anderson's who we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. So, uh, the, but it's hard. Yes. Going into a new place. And yes, Cincinnati returned their, their top three guys. But you know what? Trey Scott's never been a double-figure scorer. Keith Williams was right at, the, right at the line last year because he started great and he went ice cold down the stretch. So, yeah, while they returned their three re- returning three leading scorers, only one of well, them was a big-time player. And I go back to leagues aren't stagnant either, right? right? This year in the Big East, I think it's gotten better. This year in the American, I don't think it's better top-heavy. I think it's better down deep. Yes. This year in the SEC is the exact reverse. Last year in the SEC, there weren't a lot of layup victories for anybody. This year in the league, it's not a great league. Right. I, I think winning on the road won't be easy, but it's it's but, but nothing stays the same. So even Wichita though Wichita is real, I think Wichita might be yeah, the best team in the no, league. No, but my point is, while UC may have some returnees, everything else is different. Some they, for the they better, have seven some for the worse. new guys. Right. Right. Seven. Right. Do you still feel good about this team? I guess I'll wrap the bow I on. I feel with okay. That. Because I know they're gonna be pretty good at home and the road is gonna be a complete unknown. I, a complete unknown. Yeah, I'll I'll leave I'll leave it with this before we move on to Kentucky, then we want to talk talk some Chuck Mayshock. Um there was a slip up last year at East Carolina. It didn't feel like the world was caving in because that team we knew was still capable of ripping off wins and they did. Was this the East Carolina moment? Maybe I don't even think it's that bad because I thought East no, Carolina East stunk. Awful. Yeah, this East Carolina stunk. This team's, yeah, East Carolina. I, I, yeah. Um, maybe Look, the problem is though. It came, the problem is this team had so five fresh. losses well, coming into right. that game, and it came so freshly on top of kind of everything else yes. that it feels like everything's caving in. Well, but, here's, but if we here's, look back on this and you go, okay, there was the slip up moment, and yet they got one back by winning here. And the then problem is, here. but you got to do that. Well, the problem is we felt like that was Colgate. Because then you beat Tennessee. Good point. And then you play Iowa right, right to the wire right. in a neutral. No, good point. And then you, you pummel UConn start to finish. And it felt like, here we go. And now this. What did we talk about last week, Skinny? They needed these four, four games, games. You're to right. get on a roll. And now you get Tulsa at home. And then UCF on the road. Still winnable games, but now do you feel any confidence about going to UCF and winning? I don't feel any confidence of going away from home to beat anybody. Right. I'm not sure I'd feel confident going beating Thomas Moore. Thomas Moore. I feel okay about that. But the mount, the mount, pretty confident. The mount would be tough. The mount would be tough. The mount would be tough. Like this game goes to NKU. I wouldn't feel good. No. I, I wouldn't. If they had Dantez Walton, I sure as hell wouldn't feel good. Tate, Tate and Walton healthy with yeah, sharp. I wouldn't feel good. No, not at all. So it, it's. It's frustrating, and like I said, you could tell on in John's voice last night, he's feeling those frustrations sure. as well. He's not – he wins, and he's not used to seeing this. And it's so funny, the, the fan base now, after years of, why is he screaming and yelling and acting like a lunatic now? Why is he just standing there? No, dude, it's the whole thing. Baseball used to do this. They do it probably more than any sport. It's the guy who's a really hard ass manager, and then you need the players manager, yeah. and then the players manager doesn't work out. Need a hard ass, yeah. And the hard ass doesn't work out. Need a players. I mean, it, it, that, but, that's but the way it, it, it is. That's the way. But it here's is. the funny part: if you go back and watch that game, John was animated, dude. If you ever you've heard it, John, John Brandon yelling at you or getting into you, I'm not sure you want that any more than you want Mick Cronin getting no. into you because it can be very biting. He um he does not suffer fools very gladly. No, and he was. 
He I ripped his jacket off, threw it up in the stands, was screaming at officials. I saw him laying into Trey Scott after a, a, at, a, at a media timeout. Or just don't see enough. I don't see enough passion. <laughs> Trust me, there's plenty of that. But <laughs> it's like, you know, we, we don't want coach speak. And then you get a coach that speaks his mind. What's this clown saying? <laughs> Throwing everybody under the bus. I mean that's that's true. I mean it, it, it that's just but it, you can't you can't you can't win in that. The only way you win is you win, right? Yeah. I mean that that's it, right or wrong. That's the only way you do it. You can be a horse's ass as long as you win. You can be John Wooden as long as you win. It doesn't matter well, as long as you win. Well, Mick won a lot. He did win a lot. He was seen as a lunatic, and he is a lunatic. He, yeah, is. he is. He is a lunatic. I mean, there's no question about it. But that's what my point is. For any coach, just be, you have to be true to yourself. If that's your mentality and attitude. As long as the kids know that that's what you are, I think they're going to buy in more times yeah. than not. And they're going to look. I'll go back to John Brandon's first year at, at NKU. Nine disaster, 21. disaster. They weren't very good. Were you doing radio? I was not, but I was the year. I was the year after I did radio. I did radio for the first couple of years. And and Taylor Person, who was the best player in the program and was the freshman of the year in the Horizon League, transferred out right away. So he lost his best player right off the bat. And it took him a year to get his guys and his system in. He's starting. 55 jumps ahead with this yeah. was still a chance to get to this team to the NCAA tournament. And I still think it's got a legitimate chance to get the NCAA tournament. You can't have a whole lot of slip-ups like you did on Saturday, though, you right? You have to have a hell of a winning streak. Yes, and that's are. the problem. I just don't know that. that no, that's, that's a, it's an honest, fair answer, Chad. This, it, it, it this, is. This team on the road, I, I have a hard I, time finding winning streaks. I don't, I don't disagree with you. I think that's, that's. And especially now that you let Tulane get you early. No, you're right. You're right. Let's talk about Kentucky. Um, when they should have gotten Missouri's not very good. But I, how about Nick Richards, man? It, it sounded great. I did not get to see. I was. Busy. I watched the first half and listened to a chunk of the second half drive. I was yes. busy watching Evan Prater get eight snaps in the uh, Army All American. Didn't Bowl. go so well. Threw a pick, right? Well, that was that was. I think he's going to be really. Don't, I well, don't, no, yeah. it was quintessential because you're only allowed to run so many plays yes. in those things. Yes, they tried to run a bubble screen for the fifth time to the same wide receiver. <laughs> they caught on. And the corner was just standing I there all, waiting All I saw for it. was, what was he, 104 it, yeah. for whatever, 17 it, yards? It, well, the that and the hardest part, especially in for a guy that's like the number two or the number three quarterback, you're out there with the number two or three no, offensive that's true. line. Although, it's the Army All-American Bowl. It ain't like you got chopped liver out there no, with No, 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 but <laughs> offensive lines take time to gel. Well, that's true. You're and right. you're playing against stud defensive linemen. You're right who are basically essentially just in five one-on-one battles across and, the line of and, scrimmage. And kicking your ass. And, and they're just coming at you full steam. So the pick six, I didn't – I mean, that was that, – there's nothing he could there's have done no, other than eating something. it. There's nothing you're taking away from the Army All-American no. Bowl, my man. Now, well, the, what, what you do take away from the Army All-American Bowl is, is he'll the be practices. A, he'll be a hell of a wide receiver. The practice. He will be a hell of a wide receiver if they ever decide to do that. He's not a wide receiver. I know that, but he'd be a hell of a wide receiver if they ever decided to do yeah. that. Um, the practices are what are big, but I, I didn't get to watch Kentucky because I was watching Evan Prater. But, take eight but you're like a lot of people. You, you at least see the box score. Yes. And you know what Nick Richards is not following done. along on Twitter. And this is everyone was raving about Nick. Richards. First half. Nick Richards was unstoppable. And yes, it's Missouri. And yes, I get all those things. And, and that's coming off the second half of the Louisville game where he played with four fouls, played smart, yeah. played hard. Yeah, he got Maybe back. He's turning the corner. Yeah, he got back down in the lane a couple of times for jump hooks. But when you got four fouls, what are you going to do? Well, You're let Sutton's, the guy score. Sutton's pretty yes. good at that. Well, what even Sutton was the other, the other, uh, the other big. I'm drawing a complete yeah. blank on. But anyway, he did a great job, <laughs> really, over the last fifty or sixty minutes of basketball. And and maybe this is the the the, the cor- corner turning point. And we've we you, you know we kind of talked. 
I think in the first podcast last week, I know that that um, that Rick and I have talked. When you look around, I'm not sure where all the upside is on this team, other than you look at a guy like Nick Richards, who has some upside, figuring it out. And maybe you're starting to see that come about. Yeah, it would be huge because they don't they don't have a presence inside really right now because I don't know that I've been as as, as unfulfilled by a EJ Montgomery than EJ Montgomery. Yeah, he's been brutal. He did have a dunk. Yay. Lob but dunk I, off the baseline. Only kind of, did they did they give him three for it or did he only get two? He only got two. Um, it was it was a nice play and he did dunk it, so we'll give him but, that. So they they have to have because that Cal's team center around a, a dominant guard and a dominant and a dominant big. post. Yes, and if Richards all of a sudden becomes that with as average as the rest of the country is, well, and, and in that league, give me another post in that. I mean, last year there were some good bigs. I don't yeah. know about true posts, but there were some. Well, I mean, Tennessee had two obviously yeah, thick monsters. Guys. Uh, Auburn had uh, had a big. I mean, it, it, you know, the good teams in the league, LSU had bigs. I mean, the good teams in the league had bigs. paid a lot for those bigs. Uh, yes, they did. I'm not sure in the, in the league this year. There's a there's bigs that you go. Wow, yeah, and maybe he has a chance then in the league to really turn it on. Turn it on. I, I don't disagree with you. I think seeing that progression from him, especially coming off like you said, the second half of Louisville, that's huge for Kentucky. They also big sigh of relief on with the Ashton Haggins. Yeah, with the injury. Yeah, because yeah. that I did see a clip of that, and that looked every bit like, oh no, is Achilles? Popped. Yeah, no question, no and question. For to be a low ankle sprain. And they're not deep enough as it is. I mean, you know, at some point, supposedly they're going to get Dante Allen, but he's a freshman, and I don't know what you're going to get out of Dante Allen, if anything. I mean, he was a hell of a score. Was there a setback on that? There must have been, because I thought it was supposed to turn the corner here by now. I mean, that was a long Mm -hmm. time ago in terms of Mm -hmm. knee injuries. Yeah, he's not back yet. Wow. And I think at some point you just turn the corner on the season, right? Yeah. What, what's the deal on Johnny Juziang? That's a great, I, I thought in the preseason he was going to be he was going to be a big time shot maker. Apparently not. Apparently not. The, the, he's so cow's so weird with some of these teams <laughs> because it feels like it feels like you're you're in favor for a week and you're out of favor very quickly, right? I mean, it doesn't. It did, we, doesn't did we get any camp cow stories this year? I did not, unless the tweak was let's throw the ball into Nick Richards and hope. Yeah. Okay. Here's what we're gonna do. Here's my tweak: throw it into number four and just hope. Just that's all we're gonna we're gonna hope. Let, we're gonna hope he figures it out. <laughs> you know what? It's been two and a half years. We're gonna hope he figures it out. He's figured it out in the last game and a half for sure. That is the that tweak is, worked. That is, the tweak worked. If that if that was the tweak. Feels like it might have been the tweak. It's worked, I mean, it's, worked, hey, it's worked very well. Sometimes you got to twerk the tweaks. Yep, tweak the twerks. Twerk. Exactly. You just don't want to twerk at the wrong time. That's all <laughs> I know. Um, let's talk on a, on a sad but uplifting subject because a lot of people that that uh, even if you're not a UC fan, it's hard not to have liked listening to Chuck Mayshock and, and knowing some Chuck Mayshock stories. Um, the most famous, obviously, him getting kicked out of an NCAA tournament game, and and I love Dan Horde every time they'd have a broadcast. This is now the blank yeah. blank consecutive game that Chuck Mayshock has not been got up thrown over four hundred. Yes, and and you listen to him on the radio, and he and he was a character, but he knew the game obviously as a coach, and I thought he was really good in that role. Um, you know, some post game interviews with Bob Huggins, who it was Chuck they they had a, they, but but there was also some combativeness at times with that yeah. too, which was interesting because. Um, they were best friends. Chuck hired Bob, yeah. and Bob hired Chuck, and then Bob and Jen Chuck is doing Bob's games and doing post game radio after Bob losses or Bob not so good games where he didn't think they played well were challenging. I mean, that was honestly 
and I don't listen to many post games, but those you were always must listen to you post games to. for sure. The, the only other one that I think matches Bob and Chuck would be any Charlie Coles. Post no game. question. Yeah, no. And more it was more Charlie not radio, it was more Charlie podium. Oh, yeah. yeah, podium stuff. Where and he then, was holding court. Yes, and 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 especially if it was a big game opponent. The the Kentucky one's still on YouTube. If you've never seen it, folks, so you listen to it. Dude, just to Marcus Cousins. Just to Charlie Cole's UK loss. Just YouTube it. It's the best. How did we let it get away. They're the big blue. <laughs> That's how it. That's how we lost the game. I miss Charlie. He's the best. Really. But, the, but but Chuck was Chuck was just one of those guys. I think again, like I said, if you're not a UC fan and you heard it, you go, this guy's a corn pone. But if you ever listened, broke down the game he really knew what well. He was talking about. He was, I don't know, I just, I, I, I didn't know him anywhere nearly as well as you guys did, despite the fact that I've been in the media a long time. I knew him enough. Yeah, but uh, you never were really on the UCB. Yeah. You're around but, it, but, but. I, yeah, I knew him enough. You know, like I said, when I worked at Turfway, he'd be out there a few times and didn't ask for much and just would go say hi and shoot the bull with him for a minute or two. And, and the we, did, we, we did our TV segment tonight on the Sports Authority and. Um, I, I'm a big Dan Hort is my guy. I just think the world of Dan. If if Dan Hort vouches for somebody, um, and Dan loved, Ch- I mean, loved Chuck Mayshock, That's good enough for me. So, and I put this on Twitter. Like when I first started doing this, and grew up a UC fan, grew up listening to Chuck, grew up listening to those post games with Bob and Chuck with my dad. Um, the highlight of every home game was the chance that you were in the the media room getting food at the same time Chuck was. <laughs> and every time Chuck's table was full. Sitting empty table, Chuck sits down. Holding court. Holding court. Table fills up. And and like that was something I used to like people I get to games at like two, two and a half hours early. Right. And people always ask why. And I didn't really like think about it until that was that was why I started doing it. Just to keep an eye on, like, when was Chuck going to have lunch or dinner so I could sit down and listen to Chuck talk and hold court for, for 20 minutes, right. 30 minutes before he went out to do his broadcast. I, I've heard him tell the Madison Square Garden story probably 30 times. That's the Oscar Robertson. Tell it again for those who haven't heard it. It, so it, is, it is legendary. Chuck loves telling the story. The, the team went to, to Madison Square Garden. If you don't know the history... Chuck was Oscar's roommate. Yeah, you want to know a small part of this? My uncle actually covered that game. Really? The old Cincinnati Post-Time Star. Yeah, he covered the UC back in that era. So. So, so Chuck would tell the story that he and Oscar combined legendary 56-point performance at Madison Square Garden, and he'd fill in all the details about how you know they went out to eat after the game and whatnot and what have you. And then at the end of the story, he'd get this kind of wry smile on his face. You're like, ah, Oscar scored 56. Yeah. I, I, didn't, yes. I didn't score. <laughs> but he did technically combine for the 56, combined. right? You're, yeah. you're, can't, can't, he and not, his roommate yes, combined, combined for 56, 56 points. points. I believe that's still the record for... R- room 3B at the Pennsylvania Hotel combined for 56 points in that game. It, it just so many. And Dan Horde always you know, t- tells the joke that he was best friends with Bob and he didn't even drink. Which that's kind of a requirement to be friends with with Bob. Yeah, yeah, you know, you've been on the road with Bob, right? I was I was at many an Arnie's with Bob back in the day up in Fairfield. Oh. And I'm still not sure how I made it home or should have made it home. And obviously he one night he didn't. One night he didn't. But that was actually a Loveland yeah. I think, bar trip for him, not the uh, not Arnie's. So yeah, um, yeah. Chuck it, was it, Chuck was it, it's he's the Joe Nuxall of UC. Sure, because you know that's, a, that's, that's the analogy. He yeah. has that tie back to. The 50s and the 60s and the history and the championships and 
and he became such an icon at UC on the microphone. And it, it, just like Joe Knoxall, you will never, ever find a single person that will have a bad thing to say about it, Chuck Mayshock. And, and it felt like... Nobody. It felt like he just kind of went away very quickly from doing radio. I know that... Well, he helped. was he was at games. Right, most, but not the, doing radio. Yes. Um, and I, he, he, had, he had started to show his age a little bit on the radio. And I think it was just time hmm? um, for him, for his legacy... It was a good time, and they had somebody in Terry that was ready to, right. you know, kind of groom to step in. Uh, the The other story I think that, and if if you're familiar with Bearcat Journal, um, Justin Berg is maybe the biggest UC fan right. ever. And the year that they were at Northern, playing home games, playing home games, Chuck's seat was next to Berg, and watching the joy that Berg had, Just, getting to sit there and watch games with Chuck. And listening to the conversations the two of them had, for me, that was a treat. Because I don't, I don't, my brain doesn't work like that. I've been doing this too long. Like, I considered Chuck a friend. We talked every time we saw each other. The last time we talked was at the Colgate game. I actually, actually had him tell the, 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 the Oscar story yeah. uh, one last time, uh, which I'll, I'll always remember. Uh, told it to uh, the Veith kid from St. Henry, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, White Veith, yeah. He was there with uh, with. with Alex Meacham. So I introduced Wyatt to Chuck and said, this guy combined to score 56 points. With Oscar <laughs> did, did, Robertson. did Wyatt know who Oscar Robertson was? No. Okay. The guy, the guy out front. Okay. That's yeah. Yeah. The guy with the statue. Yeah. That guy. Uh, Wyatt's <laughs> oh, a good kid. Actually. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just, he's, he's going to be a guy that's going to be so missed because like now it, it had gotten rare, but when he showed up to a game, it was just, mm-hmm. A swarm. Everybody had to go say hi to Chuck. Everybody had to give him a hug. Everybody had to shake his hand. And it was sad because you could tell he was fading. And But it's still, his, his eyes would light up. He'd smile when he saw you. And he genuinely was one of those guys that everybody he met was his friend. No question. No question. In limited experience when yes. you met him at Turfway. No question. The best Did, friend. Didn't ask for much. Just he wanted a place to sit. Had a cigar. Wanted to bet the races. Anything you need, sir, let me know. Just we shot the bull for a little bit. It was it was awesome. It, it was, was awesome. And especially the week that, that Sam Weish died. Right, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, that's I mean that's that's pretty quick for yeah. That's in, a pretty in, big kick in the legacy in, of, in two year, of in, Greater Cincinnati, in, Cincinnati Sports. Yeah, in in a new year with less than yeah. a week gone. So New decade. Yeah, exactly. All right, Denny, any final thoughts? I've got one, but I'm gonna I'm gonna hold it until a well. More. That doesn't make it a final thought. Then this makes it. I'm gonna wait for it. Thought okay. A ban replay. Get it out of the sport. Oh, I'm with you. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said banned replay. I'm like, banned. what the hell are you talking about? Get it out of the sport. They I don't get it. it right. I'm a big fan of that. I they I'm don't get big, it right. I'm dude. I've said it for a long time. No matter the sport, get rid of it. I just I let I, I love the let, idea of replay. Let human beings decide it. Let it happen in real time, and let's just move on. The, the, the end of games are just trash. Just trash. Absolute trash. There's no flow. There's no continuity. Everything's got to be checked in the monitor. If you're going to have replay, guess what? It's important more than the final two minutes. I agree with that. Like, there was a ball. Or let's just not have it, period, in a story. There was a ball that a guy from Tulane clearly knocked it out of bounds. And it's okay to miss it. They, it right? It's okay to miss it. I'm not telling you you should, but it's okay to miss I'm it. But I'm saying, why is that call agree. not an, important enough for replay? There was like three minutes left in the game. Fully agree. And it's only important when there's two minutes left in the game? Get replay out of the damn sport. I'm over it. All sports. 
I don't want it I, in any of them. I, your boy Rick Bryan and I have had that discussion, and I think he's coming around on my way of thinking. Let's just I don't let, want it. Let, let, if they can't get it right, and they can't. No. Because it's just, it. well, it's not just a matter of that. It's a matter of they're trying to limit it to certain circumstances, like the final whatever portion of a game. And that's fine in theory, but you're right. Why is the possession, three possessions before the 305 mark not important? Right. Or the one a minute and a half into the game. How's that not important? How many games come down to one possession? Would that have changed the flow and possession of a game? No, let's just do away with it. I'm good with it. I'll yeah. live with it. I'm fine with it. The I, only, the only look, thing I can believe in is if you want to ch- check the end of a game, if the shot was off before the buzzer. Yeah, and you can, and that's at the end. You can kind of clearly and, see and, that. And and I'm almost against Ve- that. because, but, but very rarely is that ever. That's very. That's not because you can almost see that. You know why I'm against blank. that? Because we don't even get to enjoy the end of games anymore. Good point. Good point. Did they? Did it? I mean, did it count? Did, did you not? watch? Was everybody it, stands there? The Michigan Oregon game. Yeah. I don't know if you watched it or not. A couple of Saturdays yeah. ago, but it was the right call. But when I watched it in real time, I thought, "Damn, that was awesome." He just made that shot. And then you watch it in replay. I went, "Okay, he didn't." But there was a play. Did I need that? I think it was halftime of UC Tulane, or Chris Vote got a dunk right at the buzzer. Oh and yeah, live. I thought. That was late. They, on the, I heard on the radio. I, was, I actually literally got in the car about a minute before that, and Dan Horde wasn't sure it was in or not. It was. I think I don't think it was the end. Of the half. It was a shot clock one. Might I have think a shot was, clock. It was a shot clock was, one. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, and, but and, still it was, but all, they, it was close. But they showed the replay, and he had gotten it out of his right. fingertips just in time. Right. But live, it looked it looked late. It sounded like the horn went off before he let go of the ball. But end of games, I'm almost because you can't even enjoy. Like you had a buzzer beater to win. You can't even celebrate. You got to go stand over by your bench, and then you get to go, yay! It's yeah. not the same. It's not the same no. feeling. It's not the spontaneous spur of the moment any longer. I was going to save it for a point when something blatant happens. Well, just remember it down the road because I guarantee you. It, it, guess what? It's you're, still going to play. Your, your rant today will still be a fresh take in another two weeks or a month I'm or sick six of it. weeks. Get rid of it. I'm with you. If you can't get it right, there's no point in having it in the sport. Get rid of it. Be done with it. Replay can kiss my beep. I like it. I like it. That's well done. All right. For Rick Broy, appreciate him checking in on the phone. For Chad Brendel, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. We'll be back another week from today with another college basketball podcast. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition. Thanks for being with us.